Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Bye Guys. Uh, my book about bisexual married men is coming out, and so I'm here today with another interview subject from my book, and I'm so excited to talk to him again today. So welcome to Two Bye Guys. In the book, his name is William. In real life, his name is Nana. Welcome to Two Bye Guys, Nana. So, Thank so you. in the book, I called you... You're welcome. Thanks for being here. Uh, in the book, I called you William. Do you want to tell me your whole full name now? Because uh, yes. I was not brave enough to pronounce it. <laughs> My name is, and everybody who knows me will know this is really me now. Uh, I'm I'm not going to attempt it, but uh, I love it. Welcome to Dubai, guys. Nana, aka William. Nice to have you here. Yes, take nice a bow, take a bow. Uh, thank you, thank you. I, I um, really enjoyed hearing your story last year, maybe a, over a year ago at this point, but it was sometime in 2022, I think. Uh, and was, it, was it that I'm long excited. ago? I think so, wasn't it? Well, I mean, 2022 <laughs> was just like six months ago. It wasn't ago. that long ago. Yeah, 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 I think yeah, we yeah. Talked, oh. I think we talked about a year ago. It was after I knew the book would be published and you were one of the additional interviews I conducted. Uh, and so you were one of six people I picked out of 150 that volunteered. And uh, I think, you know, there's multiple interesting aspects of your story, but what makes it really unique from everyone else's is your involvement in the army and the military and how your your by development played out in that environment, which is unique and fascinating. So we'll get into that. Um, before before we do, this is how I'm starting with everyone. Um, tell me why did you decide to participate in this project in the first place? Um, I, as a young man growing up, I didn't have this resource. Um, I didn't have these perspectives. I didn't have these voices um, telling me that I could exist, Hmm. Um, affirming that um, I was not something that was supposed to be thrown away. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the reason I want to participate in this is because if I had someone doing what you're doing, telling a story that I could relate to, then I think a couple of I, I may not I may have saved some tears, and so that's it. I'm trying to save some child uh, some unnecessary crying. Beautiful, I love it. Beautiful, and uh, you've I mean, knowing your story, you've done a lot of work to get to the point where like, not only are you comfortable with yourself, but you're comfortable putting yourself out here and, you know, your name and your face and everything. And that's uh, very admirable. Okay. So there's going to be a lot more for people in the book and a lot of details, but why don't you take us through sort of the brief version of like, when did you first start to realize you were not straight and how did your bi identity develop over time? And, you know, tell us sort of just the whole story, the brief version. 
So the brief version is I realized that I was not heterosexual before I was 10. Um, that was clear to me. Um, the names and the labels that would go with that, that took years to figure out. And it took even longer to come to acceptance of that. Um, but, you know, uh, there was, there was uh, best friends uh, when you were a kid. There was summer camp. We, we talked about that. Um, mm-hmm. There was being nervous in the locker room. There was going uh, in, in high school, in, in junior high school. Um, there was joining the military, sweating bullets in the open set. <laughs> I was there. Um, there was the first real um, same-sex uh, relationship I had. There was getting married, falling in love with a, a woman, still trying to navigate that mess. You know, it's it's it's, mm-hmm. it's a process that's still ongoing, uh, to be honest. Yeah. So that that's the cliff note version. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It is. It is definitely an ongoing process for for all of us. Um, Okay, so it's funny you mentioned the the camp thing because I remember that from your story where what you told us about is like that you met a bi person, a bi guy at camp who used that word. Um, how did that affect you? And then because I know you didn't adopt that word right away, like what happened after that? Uh, that why didn't you adopt that label right away? Um. I I didn't know at the time that it was me, you know. Um, at that particular time, I, uh, I was still discovering my attraction to girls, like girls, girls, girls everywhere, you know, because it was right there at the beginning of puberty. Um, so, yeah, girls was the thing. Um, and now that I think about it, it's really fun to look back at it now because um, having sex with males was something that you know, it's, it's 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 what you did before you learned how to jerk off, and then, <laughs> yeah, and then you then then you find out about girls. It's like oh, that's awesome, and so then mm. it's that's where I was at at that point. So it it was less that I that I I didn't identify with it. But it would not be the truth for me to say it didn't resonate. It resonated. I just didn't know if that's who I was at the time. So it was like, oh, that's that's a thing. You could do that. I was kind of I was I was more shocked that it was it was a thing, you know, mm-hmm. um, right? Because David Bowie, Prince, those were my idols growing up. Even Mike, Michael Jackson, these were all people that was presumed to at least be by, especially. David Bowie and Prince, like David, I mean, Prince had a mushroom haircut, like only girls wore that. He showed up in his little, little sister's drawers with a trench coat on for one of his concerts. That's, it's like, ooh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I just didn't, I just didn't know that that's who I was. Yeah. That's the short answer. Really interesting. It's, a, it's kind of like you were following your interests and your attractions and and having experiences and then just like the awareness of what, what that was called or what that might mean for you is what took more time. Yeah. 
so when did you enter the army? Like what age? And at that point, how were you thinking about your sexuality and how did you explore your sexuality in the military? I joined the army when I was 19 and I think it was nine. Yeah, I was 19. Um, Technically, I joined before then, but, you know, that was, that's this weird thing that Army was doing where you were signed up, but you weren't actually in. And it would only count if you stayed in all the way through to your 20 years, which I did. So, <laughs> cool. um, but there was a question. This was back in the 90s, uh, early 90s. So there was a question on the uh, entry uh, exam, uh, not the entry exam, the uh, entrance contract. There's two contracts you got to sign. And the first one, it was like, they asked you, are you gay, lesbian, or bisexual? And I struggled with answering that question Hmm. because by then I knew who I was. (laughs) I knew who I was. I didn't have to like it, but I already knew it. Um, And I decided to go with lying and said I was heterosexual. And that decision was validated, which I absolutely hate in retrospect. Um, because my recruiter started making fun. At first he was real somber, like he was taking it seriously. And then when I answered it, he was like, because oh, for a second there, I thought you was going to be like, I'm joining the army so I can look for a boyfriend. And I was like, mm. <laughs> and you know, you just, you got to yeah. deal with it. Yeah. You got to deal with yeah. it. So I wasn't happy about it, but you know, so and what was the rest of the question? <laughs> <laughs> well then so so you entered and you you knew this about yourself but you told them you were straight. So then how, what was that like? How did it play out? Did you did you have to hide this for a long time and how were you exploring your sexuality during that time? Uh well I I I had to hide it in basic for sure. Um it was 8 weeks of me being with a bunch of strangers uh from all over the country. Um and I had to make sure I focused on building. It was actually the place where the military was trying to break everybody down um, to rebuild you back up again. That's what they say. Tear you down to build you back up. Um, the focus was I wasn't looking to get laid. I was too tired at the end of every day to get laid, to want to get laid. I don't even think mm-hmm. I really... Well, I may have gotten gotten some me time. I, no, I didn't even get any me time during that. People did, but I wasn't one. Um, I was exhausted. I was exhausted. It was from before the sun come up, you're either pushing the ground or you're running. And by the time it's all said and done, you smell like the crack of every butthole you can imagine. It was It was terrible. I wouldn't trade the experience for anything in the world, but I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It was it was a rough time, but it was also a good time. I, I found out some things about myself and the, and the men to men to my left and the right. Uh, so it was it was the military. It, it, it was basic training bed. I, yeah. You had to be there. <laughs> um, AIT is when things relaxed a little bit, and I started to get start feeling myself a little bit more. Um, that's advanced individual training. So you got basic training where they teach you how to be a grunt. And then you got advanced individual training where you learn how to do your job. That was more relaxed. That was a whole lot more sexually charged. Um, I still focused on the girls because they were available. Uh, they were they were available, right? 
Um, guys less so. There were what I call near misses. There were at least three near misses where I could have ended up hooking up with a dude, but I didn't. Um, one of them was really, really public. Um, I'll tell you about this story later on if you want to hear it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> this is, it may be in the. There book. were a couple of new, huh? Is that one in the book? Maybe. There's a few it's not in the book. It's absolutely oh, okay. not. <laughs> oh, okay, we'll come back to that then. We'll back <laughs> Circle to back to that one. Um, yeah. But yeah, so there was some near misses. There was a guy who showed me some interest, uh, but I didn't. I wasn't sure at the time where I wanted to be at. Hmm. Um, so that one kind of died by the wayside, especially when everybody around me was telling me this is what they were seeing, and I was like, "Damn, I." He's into me, but and he's cool, but I don't know if this is what I wanted. And then there was this other guy who graduated right before. Anyway, there were near misses in AIT. Um, and mm-hmm. it wasn't until I got to my first duty station that, and I think I told you about this, where my two girlfriends didn't respond to me on my birthday. And <laughs> my that, uh-huh. that's in the book, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. And then and you went out yeah. to a gay bar. <laughs> I don't think it was a gay bar. I just went oh. with a gay guy. That I didn't oh, okay. know was yeah. gay. <laughs> I didn't oh. know he was gay. When he got there, he let he. I figured it out in the morning. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and that tells the story, doesn't it? <laughs> that, 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 there's the whole story right there. <laughs> then, then he go dumped the me and I went details. through my whole phase. <laughs> yeah, right there you go. <laughs> okay, you can read all about the whole phase in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this from what I know and have read. And from when we talked, like it seems like in the military, especially in the nineties and two thousands, and maybe it's changing today a little, but that there wasn't much acceptance of homosexuality or queerness, but that there was a lot of it going on under the surface or behind the scenes. How how much does that resonate with you and, and how did you see that? Um, okay, so I've always been law enforcement adjacent, um, even before I went and became a military police officer. They would refer to them as rings, like you, you like prostitution ring, a drug ring, a homosexual ring. That's how it was regarded. Um, That being said, there were people who were openly, obviously, in all but name, not heterosexual. There was this one guy um, who worked in personnel. You you would spot him in a crowd. Oh, that's the gay one. Right there. Him. Right over there. He's the gay one. Um, But he was awesome. He was I think what it boiled down to even back then was if you were competent enough, nobody cared about what you was doing when the whistle blew. Um, And the reality of the matter is is that back then in the 90s, it wasn't as zero defect. So you were expected to, all of these things was against the law, by the way. You were expected to be cheating on your spouse. You were expected to have 
open little things going on that you and your spouse was cool with. We call it polyamory and swinging now, you know, but back then it was just you being a freak. Um, you expected to drink and drug and all of these things, these things were expected. Um, mm. But these things were not allowed to be discovered. These things were not allowed to be out. Um, these things were not allowed to um, impact your work. The, the, the straight laced uh, evangelical who was actually about their book was supposed to be able to operate right next to you, even if you was a dyed in the wool, red horns having Satanist that was having bestiality sex every weekend. All of this stuff was illegal, but so but, but it was important that you was able to keep it away from post and not let it affect your work. So long as you can do those two things, no matter what it, what your vice or your sin was, you let it go. Um. Right. If people found out about it, you weren't being cautious. You're supposed to get hammered to the wall because you were not being the best soldier you could be. That was <laughs> that was the mentality. Um, interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. It, when they first came up with the concept of "Don't ask, don't tell," this is how this is how weird it was. When "Don't ask, don't tell" first came was first part of the conversation. Back in the Clinton era, I want to say, um, or before the Clinton era. No, yeah, so before the Clinton era, as a matter of fact, there was conversation in the military uh, LGBTQ, it was just LGB, LGB back then. <laughs> there was conversation in that community amongst us that was like, do we even want this? We have it good. Nobody says anything so long as you're not broadcasting it, making embarrassing the unit. Don't embarrass the unit. I mean, everybody has to go by that rule. Don't embarrass the unit. How are we being different? I mean, everybody don't go to jail. All right? yeah. That's not the thing that everybody can, you know. Every, and and a, a, a guy, a guy went to jail for performing cunnilingus on a girl um they were out to getting and so he he came in one week uh one monday morning bragging about his weekend yeah man i got this girl i did this ah, and da, 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 da. and the first sergeant heard it the commander heard it and uh somebody else in the office heard it well there you go they didn't want you there in the first place they wanted to get rid of you and they used that to get rid of you so like and it was like so the conversation was, how is that different from what right. we're doing? And so right. there was there was a conversation in the community. And for a while, I wasn't sure where I fell on that, to be honest. Um, I didn't want the culture to change. I didn't want massive changes in the culture um, because this is what I was used to. And in all actuality, it was not as threatening as it was as a civilian. Because as a civilian, I was just... The proper term to say is a black kid, because <laughs> I was thinking another word. Um, I was just a black kid um, in a black in in a black neighborhood, and we hate those guys. LGBTQ plus that's a death sentence, usually mm. from your own family. And true to form, my father said he was going to put one around in my head. I don't know if that's in the book. I don't know if that's. I in don't the book. remember that. Uh, my father that, said he was 
my father, I remember, I will never forget. I was 11 years old. My father, it was my, my father swung by to pick me up. We was doing, we was doing something. I don't remember. We stopped by and went to McDonald's. I was 11. And my father said, son, I don't know what prompted him to say it, but he said, he said, son, if I ever find out you're a faggot, I'm going to shoot you in the head myself. Wow. So good to know that. Wow. Ate my food. Yeah. And, 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 and I had to hold that in forever. And I didn't speak on that until I talked to my spouse about that a while ago. Um, uh-huh. she, my wife was the first person I told about that. So my wow. mama didn't hear about it. My best friend didn't hear about it. I didn't write it in my diary. I don't have a diary, but I didn't write it in. I wouldn't have wrote it in there if I had one. You know, <laughs> but I told my yeah. wife was the first person in the world I told about that. Um, and that was only a couple of years ago. I've been married for 23 wow. years. And a couple of years ago, a, a couple of years ago, like one or two, two or three years ago, I tell my wife this. Uh, so that one, yeah, with with that being what's at home, um, a, a situation where I can be who I am so long as I don't rock the boat too much, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's really heavy to deal with at home. And I get what, I mean, I can understand why you were not sure how you felt about don't ask, don't tell, because it sounds very complicated. It's like, on the one hand, they could use it against you if they wanted to get you anyway, for for whatever reason. But yeah. but at the same time, your your good performance in your work could shield you from that homophobia in a way, that, that the work yeah. was more important, which... Uh, is it interesting? I don't know. It kind of cuts both ways. Um, it's weird. <laughs> it is weird. Oh, it's so, I mean, it's what a, what a interesting place to be figuring this out and discovering it. Um, okay. So you mentioned your wife. Let's, let's talk about uh, your relationship a little. Tell me about how you guys met and then how did your sexuality become part of that relationship? Like, when did you come out to her and what happened? But first hmm. tell us just how you met and started dating. I had a friend. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a gamer geek. Don't judge me. I um. am too. I'm ju- judging you highly. <laughs> <laughs> then we got something else to circle back around to. Um, we're playing, cause, 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 cause role playing games figured in a lot in how I dealt with my sexuality. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, I met my I met my wife through a friend that I was gaming with. He married this really attractive uh, at the time. Uh, <laughs> he he divorced her, so we don't care. <laughs> she was cute at the time. I don't know what she looked like now. <laughs> He married this really attractive uh, Italian lady. Um, and like any other red-blooded American male, I said, yo, hey, she got a sister, a friend or something you can hook your boy up with? And he was like, yeah, sure. So he brought my future wife by, uh, by my room, and I wasn't there. So he left a note on the door. So I went and found him later on 
And he was like, yeah, uh, I got this friend. You asked me if to hook you up with one of my friend, one of my wife's girlfriends. So do you want to do your thing? And I'm like, yeah, bet. Mama's leading loves too. So let's do this. Um, and I'm thinking it's just a booty call. I go over to the house. We play some cards to break the ice. Um, my friend and his wife didn't leave. We're just left together. Um, I'm getting her life story. Neither one of us speak the same language, but we're making it work that that did something to me in my head, in the back of my head somewhere. Um, and you mean literally speech. didn't speak the same language, right? Yeah, L- she like spoke Italian and English. I didn't speak any <laughs> Italian and she, I spoke English and she didn't speak no English. There was a, it was cute, yeah. It was an Italian-English dictionary in the house, though. So we just, <laughs> the whole time, it was it was awesome. We went and got pizza. I smoked back then, so we went and got pizza and cigarettes. Um, but I, I got a good sense of who she was even though I couldn't understand all the words that was coming out of her mouth and I didn't know all the details that she was giving me, just the sense of who she was impressed me. I said, you know what? I was going to try to smash tonight, but uh, I just want to call you back to see what's going on. She had different plans, so that went that way and that went that way, but I did call her back, (laughs) you know? And then, you know, the romance kind of just flourished from there. Uh, slowly but surely, uh, she started speaking English. I started speaking Italian. We met somewhere in the middle, and then I proposed to her. Cool, cool. That, and when that's you the <laughs> that's the cliff notes. There's much more in the book. Everyone should read it. It's very cute. Uh, and so when when you proposed, were you out to yourself or her as bisexual? And if not, how did that happen? Um. I was, I told her, I'll I'll, I'll say it that way. I told her and she says she understood what I was saying and that she was glad I gave her the vocabulary because the word bisexual didn't apply sexually in Italian. You say something is bisexual in Italian, you're talking about suits, you're talking about a clothing item that a male or female could wear. Uh-huh. Not a sexuality. So uh-huh. I did tell her before I proposed to her. Um, uh, it was, we were laughing and joking about something. Um, and I think it was one of those things where guys always say, hey, baby, I want to see you with another girl. Blah, 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 blah. You know, we're, we're, we're disgusting that way. And that was somehow in the conversation. And she said, well, you ever do it with another guy? And I had to come to Jesus moment. It's like, you know, and I and I was I said to myself, I'm like, you know, you you like this girl. And if this keeps going the way it is, she's gonna be around for the long haul. You gotta figure you gotta get this out of the way. You gotta have this conversation now. And so I did, I said, Yes, I have. I've I've, I've seen one up close. Um <laughs> and it ain't that bad. <laughs> I kind of had fun with it. I missed the experience, to be perfectly honest. I said, but um, right now, I'm not curious about anyone else because all I can see in my life is you. Man, that was the right answer. Uh, I (laughs) proposed to her on her birthday after that conversation. Um, 
And that's how we. Cool. That's how we got proposed to, and that's how I came out to it. And was she accepting of your bisexuality throughout, or did it ever cause conflict or struggle between you? That's weird. Um, okay, so bi erasure is a thing. Mm-hmm. And when you don't know, especially when you're dealing with men, apparently, um, I guess the, the idea of a man actually being bisexual is an affront to everybody's sensibilities. My wife had to work through that. Um, for the longest time, she thought I was gay and wearing her as a beard. Mm. Um, really? And there's the impact that had on me was, let's just say I'm still working through those challenges. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that was rough. That was a rough period. Yeah. And how, I mean, I know there's many steps and probably a long process involved, but, but how did you work through those things and communicate with each other? Honestly, this is just couples, uh, advice at this point is I believe the shit that she said, she believed me. That's what it boiled down to. We just had to start Mm. believing what the other person was telling them. Um, And when we did, when we took those steps, a lot of the challenges went away. Or maybe Mm. not so much went away, just became more manageable. Like, if I don't have to prove I'm not gay all the time, then I don't feel like I'm being inauthentic because performative masculinity is, is the absolute worst. You're not even being a real man at that point. You're just pretending. <laughs> You're just pretending to be a real man. And that inauthenticity, it, it, it messes with you up here, in here, down there. It's, it ruins yeah. everything. It doesn't stop breaking stuff. So, that that when 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 I got over that hump, it was like, oh yeah, it's life is so much better now, um, and it was for her as well. Um, but there was a lot of crying that had to happen before we got there. Yep, I love that, and you're not the first person in the you're not the only person in the book to basically say that exact same thing of that like you have to be honest with your partner, but you then there's the flip side of that coin is like, you have to believe your partner, both, both partners. Uh, and if you can't believe them, if you can't trust them, you know, why dive into that, figure out why, but you kind of have to get to the place where you believe each other because otherwise you're trying to prove things to her, to yourself. And when Mm. you're trying to prove something, you're not really, uh, being yourself. You're, you're trying to be a certain thing. And yeah, mm-hmm. we talked, I know we talked about that. We talked about the performance anxiety that I've felt that many, <laughs> many men in the book have felt because like sex shouldn't be about proving anything. It should be about pleasure and fun. Um, and so, yeah, I love, I love that answer. What's changed for you since we last spoke in your relationship or in your life if anything 
What changed? I'm trying to think where I um so I know I told you the last time we had we were looking into um ethical non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. Right. You had been just starting that conversation after doing all that work, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Um so we we like it. But we're also in our late forties, early fifties, <laughs> so so the, so there's there's the whole time and energy thing that's uh, putting a damper on on, on that a little bit, um, and health, you know. <laughs> Aside from like occupational concerns, you know, STIs and stuff like that, we're not really worried about that. Uh, as a matter of fact, we. We have a friend, and our friend has their own thing out there. So that's good because he can. We've been take we've been looking at some things that's going on with us, uh, health wise, and we haven't been available for him in that way. We still talk, we still enjoy each other's company, whatever, whatever. But there's not a lot of going on. And so that's unfortunate. So, but but we know what this is. At least we know what this is. If we're not doing anything, I'm gonna say it. You can cut it out if you want to, or you can leave it in. If I'm not getting spit roasted, it's okay. <laughs> I don't have to because we know what it is. I gotta take care of my my health, uh-huh. my family's health, you know, stuff like that. Um. But we did go out and we did have a good time with it and we did explore and we are going to continue to develop this erotic side of ourselves. Um, cool. So it's a possibility in a sense, but it's not necessarily something you need or are very focused on. Is that sort of accurate or how would you say? It's not a priority. There. Okay. There. It's 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 not a priority. Um right now everything's in its place doing what it has to do. And if I have to do something that um can't be provided for at home, we'll say. Um I have the leeway to do it. I just don't want to right now. I want to focus mm-hmm. on us and take care of us in this respect. Cool. So. Cool. And, and what, if anything, did you learn by having those conversations about non-monogamy with your wife, either learn about yourself or her or your relationship? Oh, um, first off, I learned that I have really deprived myself of all the joy of being married, especially to this woman. Um, yeah, um, that, that to me is the biggest thing. Like I could have been having so much more fun for so much longer if, if I wasn't screwing up my end of the equation, Hmm. if that makes sense. Like, I know we were both responsible for things not being perfect, but if I was, if I had just did my piece then 
my late 20s, my 30s, and my 40s would have needed an OnlyFans channel. <laughs> nothing else. It would have been a blast. Um, Just, and I would have been, I believe, <laughs> I believe I would have been so much better off had we looked at, had I taken the lead and said, hey, look, these, these are the people that we are and we need to be these people. If I had did that, Mm-hmm. In reality, she was waiting for me to do that, which I learned over the over the years. A lot of times, apparently, that's the thing. Um, I I can't speak for everybody, but uh, uh, one of the things I'm learning is that a lot of men who are having these issues with their wives are having them with their wives because they're not. And this this is a true statement. If you're bi, hetero, whatever. If you're having a challenge with your significant other, especially if you're having one with your wife, what the worst part of it is, is that nine times out of 10, if you just go and say, hey, this is what needs to happen for me, and just not to be too, I don't know, uh, old-headed about it, just be a man about it and say, look, this is what I want. This is what I need. And I want you to come with me while I go on this journey to figure out who I am and what I want and what I need and where I'm going and what I'm doing. Um, You're only going to get two answers. She's either going to say, yes, I'm in it or no, I'm out. (laughs) At which point, both of these are blessings for you. Um, one of them hurts more, <laughs> but both of these are blessings for you. And I feel like if I had right. just did that so much earlier, we'd have been a lot, a lot further along in everything, and yeah, it would have been better. I love that perspective. It's like there's so many things people fear from having these conversations, but like you said, right, like there's two outcomes and in a way they're both a blessing because neither of them is keeping this stuff hidden. And that mm-hmm. causes there, there's almost no good outcome from that. Uh, I mean, maybe there's an externally good outcome, but, but internally it's quite difficult and it can cause mm-hmm. a lot of the conflicts you talked about. I also love yeah. the Yeah. I, I also love that. Like, the conversation about non-monogamy or just open conversations about all of this stuff helped you feel really close to your wife and lucky to be in a relationship with her. It's kind of counterintuitive to what people think about non-monogamy, but it makes perfect sense the way you described it. for listening to this episode of two bye guys and this series on bi married men paired with my book there's about 10 more minutes with nana coming up it's great stay tuned but there's even more on patreon there are 20 minutes of bonus content with nana plus a full video of the entire thing and this one is a good one to watch the video of my facial expressions listening to some of these stories they were funny for me to watch back while i was editing it so you can find that exclusively at patreon.com slash robert brooks cohen in the bonus material we also circled back to those stories and other things that nana mentioned toward the beginning 
fascinating stuff. I learned how role-playing games can affect sexuality development, and it makes perfect sense once I learned about it. Don't want to spoil anything beyond that. We also talked about masculinity and how that intersects with sexuality in the military. It actually caused me to bring up Jane Ward and what she's written about environments like that, which led to an interesting discussion about behavior versus identity and why that's so important in the military and much more. So head over to patreon.com slash Robert Brooks Cohen for 20 more minutes with Nana, plus full videos for this entire series on Bi Married Men, bonus content on all future episodes, and early access to everything. There's also a link in the show notes. So thank you everyone for listening and supporting my work. Hope you had a happy holiday season. Happy New Year. This episode will come out on New Year's Day. Uh, Thanks for listening to this series. There's a little bit more in this series. And then technically I have to finish book season. I have a few more by authors that I have scheduled interviews with. So we'll get back to book season. Then I'll take a little break and I'll talk more about what is going to happen then. Thanks also to everyone who bought and started reading my book, Bisexual Married Men, Stories of Relationships, Acceptance, and Authenticity. And thanks to those who have reached out to me. I really love hearing about what you all think, like what you're connecting with. So thank you for the lovely comments. If you do like the book, now is a great time to write a review on Amazon or wherever you purchased it. It will really help people discover this book and help it get out there. I know it's going to connect with people. It's just a matter of getting it out there further. So I would really, really appreciate it if you've read the book and you like it and you authentically can write a review if you would take a few minutes and leave a review. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Stay tuned for more episodes in January. And now here is a little bit more with Nana. Enjoy. Uh, I want to ask you this because I know in your story we talked a lot about spirituality and we haven't had much of a chance here, but how is your spirituality connected to your sexual fluidity, if if it is? It It is, and not in the way I thought it would be. Um, so we don't have a dogma in, in African tradition. Um, specifically, we don't have a dogma in voodoo. Um, so a lot of African practitioners say we don't have this, we don't like this, we don't do that here, right? To 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 quote uh, Chaz Bosman, we don't do that here. Um, but it is a revelatory tradition, and one of the things that I did was get initiated so that I can speak directly to our deities and what have you. Um, A lot of my deities are twins. Hmm. This becomes germane to my journey, and I didn't know it. Generally speaking, only people who are twins get twins for head spirits. But a lot of my spirits are twins. So I was like, I don't know why I got it. My my godmother's like, I don't know why you got all these twins. Maybe you're going to have a lot of twins. I'm not having a lot of twins. I'm not a twin. Uh, there's not a lot of twins in my family. I don't know where all these twins is coming from. It turns out um, in the course of my practice that one of my twins is a brother and a sister. And so 
it it lends itself to this. You, you, I'm going to express sex amongst other things in this very both both sides type of uh, of ways, um, and I see it play out in my day to day. So it, it it actually impacts not sexually, but I mean this uh, duality in my life has to impacts all over the place money, politics, everywhere. It's like, okay, I can encapsulate both halves of these things. And so it just makes sense that we got over here to what's going on uh, sexually, that that's where I'm plugging into. And in fact, there's a set of spirits that I've always wondered why they're with me. And that's why they're with me. If you're not in the voodoo, this is a lot of this is not going to make sense to you. But if you're in the voodoo, it is. So, I, I mean, I can't say that I'm into voodoo, but I think that the the where you got to with that about duality and seeing that and experiencing that in different areas of life makes total sense. And I wrote a lot about that in the book and this like comfort with duality or acceptance. Yes, yeah, yeah I remember it. that. Um, yeah, I think I, I probably wrote that in, in your chapter. I can't wait for you to read the other chapters and and find those connections for yourself. Yeah. Um, is there anything you're still struggling with in this space that that's still a little bit challenging? Oh yeah. Um, what's funny is I still struggle with a lot of the same things, but it's mostly inertia. It's mostly inertia. So um, my biggest my biggest drag is that when I run into a challenge of any sort, I kind of always default to, is this a punishment? Is this because of this? Uh, I'm a big religious guy. So is this a punishment? It's going to always be there. Uh, Agnostics and atheists, you guys got it easy when it comes to this. When you get past, when you get out of the weeds, it's like, "Ah, I'm good now. For those of us that are in a system, we got to navigate it. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the the biggest thing is inertia. Um, do I default to the self-flagellation? Um, is it because of some some of my past um, weaknesses? Blah 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 blah. Uh, my saving grace is that because I start all the way back there and starts digging the stuff out. When I get to the other side, I've, I've solved the problem. I. <laughs> I feel like I solve my problems. And when I get new problems, I look to old causes for those mm-hmm. new problems. And they're usually not the reason why. They usually end up being uh, building blocks. But I can use them for s- stumbling ones as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. But that's, that's, that's my biggest struggle. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's great awareness of, of looking back at past blocks to to address the future okay final question how does your bisexuality bring you joy in your life um aside from the obvious the obvious you can start with the obvious and then go to the <laughs> okay so the obvious is that sex is amazing like First off, I don't understand hetero and homosexuality. I do not. I do not understand looking at 
a group of people and saying, nah, nah, I, I don't get it. I can look at, I can see looking at individuals and like, <laughs> that'll never happen. I can see looking at individuals and saying, I would, but no, or I gotta, you know? Um, but to, to look at entire swaths of population and saying, nope, that's off the menu. You out your rabbit ass mind. There is no way in the world. There's no way in the world. Um, and being able to look at everyone as everyone as both a potential best friend, completely platonic, and a potential romantic relationship, <laughs> or that even a relationship that without so much romance in it, being able to look and regard people that way, um, it really kind of blows the doors off of assessing people. Um, I'm not worried about what it means when I look at a guy a certain way or when I look at a woman a certain way. I don't think to myself, I can never be friends with her because why I can't be friends with her? If I could be friends with him, I could be friends with her. Most certainly, because mm-hmm. I have I have absolutely no compunctions between stretching her out and stretching him out at the same time. <laughs> so, to, you know, I don't have all of these red pill manosphere problems that these dudes seem to be having. Apparently, it's a big issue. I don't have them. I don't even understand them. And especially, they don't sound like they even like women. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why you fuck with him. If I felt like that about anybody, I wouldn't talk to him. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, how I don't, the only downside to being bisexual, the only downside to being bisexual is dealing with other people who ain't, or mm-hmm. who ain't cool with being themselves, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so yep. everybody else is like, great. I am five minutes away from having sex all the time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. No, the biphobia and the stigma is real, but from the inside of it, there's all these possibilities and all these yeah. categories that dis- that can disappear and you can meet each person and take each relationship where it should go without like uh, expectations. I, I kind of like the categories. They're, they're, they're a little <laughs> fetish, you know, but oh, I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> so I'm going to break the rules. Right. Well, and you can still have, you can still look at them as categories, but I think what you're saying is that like anything is possible. Yes. With, with, that's exactly with each it. person. Right. You're not limited to by categories based on a person. Absolutely. Gender. I'm just poking fun. Yeah. Absolutely. I know where you're coming from. Um, It is. I, I, I don't understand. I, I personally feel like there is no more liberating um, a sexuality than bisexual. Uh, everybody, I, 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 I kind of feel bad for people who aren't because <laughs> they, they, there's, there's a, like, they can't just look at people and be like, yeah, yeah, I can see this. You, you can't do it. Like, the only people I can't look at like that and start drooling is family and kids. <laughs> you know, everybody else is everybody else is fair game. 
<laughs> yep. Good. And on that note, <laughs> um, yeah, cool. Well, that is, uh, that is all the time we have, but, uh, but I love, I love, um, what you, what you're talking about, about like, you know, the, the limitlessness and the joy of, yeah. uh, of the sexuality. Uh, and I can't wait for everyone to read your story in the book. There's, I mean, we actually talked about a lot of different things today than what's in the book. We covered some of it, but there's a lot more details in the book about your your development, your marriage, the details of how you worked through a lot of these things that I think will be valuable for people to take a look at. And uh, yeah, it's been really fun and fun. Uh, chatting with you and hearing a lot of these funny stories uh, that that I think many people in the military will also identify with. Um, so thank you. Thanks for being here, Nana. Uh, this it was great. Was my pleasure. It was my pleasure. I, I absolutely love your, your podcast. I can't wait for the book to come out. And thank you. Honestly, um, you, you're, you're doing God's work here. You, you, you're, sh- you're letting us be people. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not even I'm not even joking right now. Um, you're making you're, you're making us people and not categories and problems and challenges and whatever else um, folks that aren't us think of us. Um, you're making us human, and we need that. Thank you for thank you for saying that. I appreciate it and and yeah, that's the goal. So thanks again so much for being here. Two Bye Guys is produced and edited by me, Robert Brooks Cohen, and it was created by me and Alex Boyd. Our logo art is by Caitlin Weinman. Our music is by Ross Mincer. We are supported by the Gotham and we are part of the Zencaster Creator Network. Visit patreon.com slash Robert Brooks Cohen for bonus content, early access, and exclusive video episodes. Thanks for listening to Two Bye Guys.